Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis, beginning with chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as he has said. Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At that time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Oh yes, you did laugh. And then going on with Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Now this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Once again, good morning and welcome to worship here at Ashland Place United Methodist Church. We're so glad that you have chosen to tune in as we continue in our series called Lessons from the Patriarchs. Last week, Sterling preached and talked about Abraham and the call that God put on his life. And so this week on Father's Day weekend, we are continuing with Father Abraham and looking at what lessons we can glean from looking back over his life. You know, this is something that we typically do with people that we look up to with father figures or parental units. We look at the things that they think is important, how they conduct their lives, what they think, how they treat people. And then we get to choose if we want to do life as they did it, or if we want to forge our own path and do things differently. By looking at the lives of those we look up to, we are shaped and formed. Some people that I have always looked up to in my life that have acted as a second set of guardians to me are my grandparents, my mom's parents. 
my dad was really sick growing up, so they moved close to be with us, and they did everything for us, from helping me learn to drive, my granddad danced with me at our wedding. They truly are such important people to me, and I'm so glad that we're here in Mobile because we get to see them every once in a while. They live across the bay in Silver Hill, so Micah and I will go stay with them on the weekend if we ever get the chance. And one thing that we can count on, without a doubt, every time we go and stay with them, is that the moment they hear our feet hit the floor in the morning and they can tell that we're awake, the breakfast process has begun. Now coffee has been made for probably the last hour while we're still asleep. Granddad has already been drinking coffee, but the moment they hear rustling, they know that we're awake. The bacon is lining the sheet, ready to go in the oven. The eggs are beginning to be cracked. And 20 minutes after we've been awake, there will be a spread on the table of eggs and bacon and toast, jellies that they've made from fruit in their garden. It is something we can always count on. They do this every time we come. And it's interesting because at our house here in Mobile, Micah and I never eat breakfast. I don't think I can think of one time that I've made breakfast for just the two of us. But whenever people come and stay with us, I have picked up this practice of hospitality that I've learned from my grandparents. So two weekends ago when Micah's family came to stay with us, I went to the store, I got all the fixing for a good breakfast and made sure that as soon as I heard rustling, as soon as I heard people were awake, I started the process so that whenever they were ready, they could eat. I wanted them to know that they were prepared for and that they were cared for while they were staying at our house. And I love to get to do this, to practice hospitality and to spread that on as it's been shared with me. As you probably can tell by now, today we are at the Avenue of Oaks on Spring Hill College. And these beautiful trees, I'm sure everyone has seen them. They're a staple here in Mobile not just for their beauty, but also for the shade they provide on these hot June days. You know, we're out here and it's significantly cooler under these trees than it is if we were in the sunlight. We picked this location because our passage begins this morning with Abraham and Sarah in their tents under some oak trees in Mamre. And they're enjoying some shade when three men approach, three strangers. And as was common in the ancient world, Abraham quickly jumps up to begin extending hospitality. But this is not the hospitality that we think of with people we expect, like grandparents preparing for their grandkids or setting aside a special time for people to come and stay with us when it's convenient. These were three strangers approaching in the heat of the day and Abraham jumps up to tend to them. And again, this was really common in the ancient Near East before there were hotels and restaurants you could stop at, travelers took care of each other in this way by extending hospitality. So even though they're strangers, he jumps up and he washes their feet. He asks them if he can bring them a little bread. He asks Sarah if she can start making some cakes. He runs to the fields and gets a calf and brings back curds and milk and lays out a spread before these strangers. And it says that he stands under the shade of trees while they rest and he watches them eat from their journey. And to me, this sounds like some classic Southern hospitality. And don't we know about that? We love to shake hands and hug. I think that's why COVID-19 has been so hard on us. We love to bring people into the AC, put your feet up. We say things like, come on back y'all and don't be a stranger. We love hospitality. But the difference here, the thing 
that sets this story apart, what we are to learn from Father Abraham, is that he's not just jumping up to extend this care and love to people that he knew, he is extending this hospitality to complete strangers. And this actually makes sense when you look at the Greek word that it came from. The Greek word for hospitality is phloxenia, or love for strangers. The opposite of that is xenophobia, which means fear of strangers. So we're kind of more familiar with the fear of strangers because that's what we see more of in our society. But from a theological perspective, hospitality is to be practiced not just with those that you know and love and care about, but also for those that you don't know. At its core, hospitality is about caring for one another as beloved children of God, regardless of race, of age, gender, history, socioeconomic status, anything that tries to set us apart. The biblical notion of hospitality says there is no us and them. Instead, it looks to how we are all the same because of our common creator, our common divine parent. This whole idea became very convicting to me in seminary. I took a class where we talked about hospitality. So I somehow convinced Micah that we needed to start engaging with strangers on a regular basis. And this is actually a lot harder than it may sound because we don't, we don't do this. You know, our lives are pretty much separated into clean boxes. We work with the same people. We go to church with the same people. We're friends with the same people. It's not very natural to start engaging with strangers on a regular basis. But would you believe there is an app for this? An app where you can host strangers in your home. And as a millennial, of course, I had to check it out. Now, before you wig out and start calling my mom, I should tell you that there are a series of verifications and checks before you can host someone or be hosted on this app. It's called Couchsurfing. Um, but there's a background check, a driver's license check, and they confirm that it is actually your address where you live. People leave reviews, you're actually required to leave reviews. And so even though this may sound a little out there, it's actually not that different from Airbnb, except that it's free. So I convinced Micah that we should start doing this. We should start hosting people because we were very busy in seminary. We were both working multiple jobs and in school but we wanted to feel like we got the experience of other cultures and other cities. So we started hosting people. And over the three years we were there, we hosted people from all over the place. Places in the United States like Indiana and Colorado, Ohio, New York, and also people from other countries like Mexico and Paris. And we learned a lot about the world and about cultures and it made us feel like we were traveling even though we weren't. So then my second year of seminary, I told Micah I wanted to try it on the other side. I wanted to be hosted by people. So we planned a trip to Chicago and we looked on the site and we found a nice looking couple. They loved animals, they were big coffee drinkers, they looked adventurous. They sounded right up our alley. So we corresponded with them and booked a room at their house. So we get to Chicago, we take a train out to where they live. And as we're walking to the address they gave us, all we see is this big church. And we're kind of confused. I mean, it's a beautiful church, but we're like, this says this was the address. And as we get closer, we see there's actually a house attached to the church. And imagine our delight 
when we see that these are not just two random strangers, but a clergy couple. They were both the pastors of the church that was next door. And so over that weekend, not only did we explore Chicago and get a real taste for what it was like to live there, we got a tour of the church, we drank coffee with them every morning, and they told us what it was like to be a clergy couple as we were entering into that next phase of our lives. It was really amazing, and none of that would have happened if we hadn't put ourselves out there and tried to get to know strangers, as strange as it sounds. But it reminded me of the verse in Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 3, that says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Biblical hospitality definitely brings you out of your comfort zone. It requires vulnerability. It insists on selflessness. But perhaps the most important is that it gives you a chance to practice what we preach. A foundational thing that we believe as Christians is that we were all created. We being all humans were created in the image and likeness of a good and loving God. And so when we say that, it means that we believe we have a shared creator, a divine parent. And that bond is unlike any other. We have the same dirt that we were made from, the same breath running through our bodies. And this should lead us to treat all people with dignity and respect, if for no other reason than because of their status as a child of God. So you may be feeling a little squirmy on your couch cushions, right now because this is not the way we're taught to live. Parents teach their kids about stranger danger, which yes, kids do not talk to strangers without your parents' permission. But as you become an adult and you mature in your faith, you can reach outside of your comfort zone because that is where growth and learning really happens. Our world, society, and most news outlets would have us believe that safety only resides in people who look like us, who act like us, who have similar backgrounds, similar morals. Society likes to share stories of violence and hatred among those lines that we've worked so hard to put up between us and them. But we have to remember that the world and society and news outlets are not more important and certainly not more powerful than the God we serve. If I asked you what is the most popular Bible verse, you might say John 3.16. We believe that God loved the world, the whole world, so much that God took on flesh through Jesus Christ and came to live and dwell with humanity. It would have been just as easy, probably easier for God just to give up on humanity and to say, well, I guess I'll try again. They didn't get it right. But that's not what happened. Instead, Jesus came and showed us what practical practicing hospitality looks like lived out in the world. Jesus loved all of humanity to the point of death, death on a cross, for those who loved him and followed him, and for those he knew never would. This is radical, life-changing hospitality, a love that knew no boundaries. And then, when Jesus rose from the dead three days later, defeating death, he proved that nothing is stronger than the love of God. Christ is always in the business of resurrection, of bringing light and life where there was only darkness and death, and of building bridges where there were once only walls. We are called to bring this life and light and connection to other people as we have been shown. Okay, so think back to our text this morning. Remember those three strangers that approached. 
Well, we as the readers know from the beginning that one of them is the Lord, but Abraham and Sarah do not, until one of these strangers starts saying to them that, Sarah, you're going to have a baby. And this is not the first time they've been told this, but at this point in their lives, Sarah thinks, me? A baby? At my age? I'm too old for this. And how does God respond? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And then we read in chapter 21 that the promise was fulfilled and that Abraham and Sarah do have a child at their old age, which leads to us today, if you really think about it. And to me, this is still totally related to hospitality. We may look at the divisions and the strife between groups in our world, and we may say, there's no way we could ever come together. There's no way I could ever have a relationship with someone that's in a different group than mine. The chasm is too wide. These problems are systemic and deep. It just is impossible. There's no way that this can happen. And what does God say to us? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Just let that sink in for a minute. Hospitality may be one of the keys to redesigning the world in the image of God. When we practice hospitality, that is to love and care for people we don't know as much as we love and care for people we do know, we are acting in faith, believing that God can do wonderful things we could never imagine. And as we practice this biblical hospitality, the fruit that's produced, God will use to continue changing the world to look more like God every day. So how can we be more hospitable? Not just those that we love, not just parents to kids or grandparents to kids and all the things that we're used to doing with hospitality. How can we take it to that next level? Well, I certainly don't know all of the answers to these questions, but I want to leave you with two practices that you can try. The first one is that next time you encounter someone who you don't know, someone who is an other. So it could be someone that's a total stranger, Or it could be someone that you've known for a long time that you've written off because you are really different from them and you think you couldn't possibly have anything in common. Take a second to pause and consider how God looks at that person. How would a divine beloved parent look at their child? And think about that. That's step one. And then the second step of this practice is to imagine how the image of God is made manifest in that person. What are their gifts? What are they really good at? And how might that person highlight something about God that's different than what you know within yourself? And when we do these things, I think you will be surprised by the compassion you feel and the empathy you feel as you look for God in each person you meet. As you begin to do this, you will become more and more aware of the ongoing work of God in the world. So let us seek today and always as followers of Christ to be those who practice hospitality, not just with those that we know, but also with those that we don't know, remembering and believing that all people are made in the image of God and that nothing is too wonderful for the Lord. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. And now let us join together as we affirm what we believe with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.